This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode two of Zero Ducks Given, a still pretty brand new cricketing podcast looking at the stupid and silly side of cricket. And hopefully this will be a good sequel to the first one, you know, a bit like Godfather 2 or Lord of the Rings 2 as well. That's the best one. And of course, the greatest second film of all time, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakle which is absolutely magnificent if you've not seen I mean, just for the title alone, the film's awful, but Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel. Hello, now we're talking. Whoever wrote that title deserves a raise. Uh, Dan, you had your hand up. You had a better suggestion, did you? <laughs> no, I, I assumed you were going to say The Empire Strikes Back because that is the, great, the only decent Star Wars film. Well, I know there's a load of people. That's going to annoy so many people now, isn't it? But all the rest of them are rubbish. But Empire Strikes Back is dead good. But you didn't do that. You gave me Alvin and the Chipmunks. I love that. The squeak call. I mean, hello. And then the third <laughs> one's called Chipwrecked. <laughs> and, the, and the fourth one's called Road Chip. So Why do can... you know so much about Alvin and the Chipmunks? Basically, once I realised how good the title The Squeak Call was, I was invested in the franchise. I'll be honest. <laughs> now, now, you're worried about pissing off people here, Dan, about Star Wars. Now, I have only seen one and a bit Star Wars films but I've seen all four of the Alvin and the Chipmunk films. Um, now, Stephen Finn, I'm going to come to you on this. Are you a Star Wars man? No, I'm afraid. Simple answer. It's not something that's ever interested me. Have you seen any? I think I got dragged to the cinema once with an ex-girlfriend and her family because they all liked uh, Star Wars, but I just sat there perplexed because it was about the 25th one, so I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea where I was, who was what. I recognised Darth Vader. That was about it, because I think I dressed up as him at fancy dress at some stage, but that's it. Oh, guys, we've just lost virtually 90% of our listenership. I know. Because, because all three of us have now admitted that we're not massive Star Wars fans, although I, in my defence, I have said The Empire Strikes Back is a really good film. You could have at least have backed me up on that. And instead, that's it. 
doomed. I've not seen it, I'll be honest. And also, I'd, you are right, because I'd imagine the cricket Star Wars Venn diagram is quite a good one. And I reckon we've upset yeah. a lot of people. Uh, well, let's move on, because uh, it has been another great week of cricket. Not if you're an England fan, after an absolute spanking. Not the fun kind, I should point out, at the hands of India. However, elsewhere, the West Indies did win a wonderful test match against Bangladesh. Um, and South Africa and Pakistan played some games and they were they were pretty dull and they're both pretty mediocre, but South Africa are particularly crap, same as last week. Let's get into India versus England, the second test. I mean, it was ugly and it was actually uglier than I realised when you look back at the stats. So India won by 317 runs. It is the heaviest defeat by runs against India for England since Headingley in 1986. The scores of 134 and 164 in Chennai meant that England were bowled out twice in a test for an aggregate of fewer than 300 runs for the first time since 1995. And let's not forget there's been some pretty poor England teams in between 1995 and the present day. On that occasion, they were dismissed for 147 and 89 by the West Indies at Edgebaston. Basically, England got absolutely battered. They lost 17 of their 20 wickets to spin. Ashwin had a pretty damn good game. He took eight of them. He scored a hundred as well. England spinners as well, to be fair to them, took 15 wickets. But basically, Rohit Sharma made a brilliant 161. Ashwin made 106 in the second innings, whilst no English batsmen were able to make a half century. England have 99 problems, but the pitch ain't one. Or is it? Daniel Norcross, this pitch then, let's talk about it. Good wicket, bad wicket, fair wicket, cheating. What did you make of it? It's not cheating at all, no. It wasn't a good wicket. I mean, you know, we know what a good wicket looks like, and that's not what a good wicket is. The question is, is it outrageous to have a bad wicket? And it's not outrageous to have a bad wicket. Andy Zaltzman crunched the stats for this from the BBC, and there have been more instances of sides being blown away and scoring fewer than 300 runs in test matches, what have you, in England, than there are of, of this happening in India. The fact is that, you know, it was a pitch that suited the Indian team, and they bowled really well in it. You know, there's a really interesting point that Alistair Cook made, actually, this week, which is that when Ravi Ashwin bowls in England, they weren't that particularly bothered by him. They weren't that particularly scared by him because the speedy bowls on an English pitch, they were able to play him quite comfortably. On an Indian pitch, if you bowl a bit faster and the pitch explodes, it's really difficult. So the technique that England's batters have developed against spin. They've developed in England. And you have to have a different technique to cope against quicker spinners on Indian pitches. And I think that's fair enough. I mean, it's an Indian pitch. One of the weird things about it, though, was, Toby, I don't know if you feel like this too, Stephen, is that, yes, it was a massive loss, but it doesn't feel calamitous. It doesn't feel as calamitous as when England were in India the last time, scoring 400 and losing by an innings. They felt like a kind of depressing inevitability to those days. But actually, on this one, Rohit Sharma hit a brilliant 160. The game was over by half an hour before tea on day one. You had to take your hat off to a brilliant knock and you sort of knew exactly what was going to happen after that. And I don't think that you know England played actually that badly, apart from not bowling as well as they'd have liked to have done for the first two sessions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I completely take your point. It, on paper, those stats surprised me. When I read how bad a loss it was, it did surprise me because maybe it's because we're 1-0 up and so it doesn't hurt as much. I think if that had been the first test, I'd go, a oh, great, four tests of this, this is going to get ugly. Maybe the fact that we've already won a test gives us a bit more confidence. 
but it didn't feel like the last time we were there when they were declaring, you know, 700 for one. And I mean, just absolutely <laughs> spanking yeah. us. But Finney, what did you make of it? I mean, you've played in the subcontinent. You've played in India. How did that pitch compare to pitches that you played on out there? Yeah, well, I think certainly that first day where the ball was taking chunks of the dirt out of the wicket, uh, I think that was in a, an exceptional circumstance. But I think that when we saw the way that England won that first test match by winning the toss and batting first and batting really well on a very docile surface with India needing to win the series in order to get into the World Test Championship final. If anyone thought that they were going to provide another docile surface for England to be able to rack up runs comfortably, then I think you'd be surprised. I think, or, or you would be foolish to think that that, to think that that was going to be the case really. So India have turned it into a bit of a shootout. I think they backed their spinners ahead of England's spinners to be able to make the most out of that pitch because of the pace that they bowl uh, and the sheer skill that they have and, and the experience that they have of operating in those conditions. So, um, yeah, I, I would not be at all surprised if we turn up for the next test match and we see something very, very similar. And I think that, yeah, there still is optimism when you look at this series for England, and I think that that's the reason why that this doesn't look as doom and gloom as maybe we've seen on previous test match tours to India, because I think that England have won three test matches so far, or they've won their last three test matches in the subcontinent. So there's some confidence there. There are players returning for this next test match that could potentially make a difference and strengthen that top order in the batting lineup. Um, so I think that there still are opportunities and the thing that with a wicket like that, that is a bit of a minefield, it does make the gap between the two teams potentially smaller. So you need someone to have a day out and people have to play really well as Rohit Sharma did, as uh, Ravi Ashwin did. But if England turn up on day one, they lose the toss in their bowling and they bowl well, they can still bowl India out for a very reasonable total. And I think that England should take confidence from that. Yeah, I agree. I just, I just don't think England played their best cricket on it. I thought day one, they didn't bowl very well. And then when it came to batting, they didn't bat very well. I don't think any English player can hold their hand up and say, I batted or bowled as well as I could. And that's why England lost the test match. I, I don't think the pitch was any more different to when, you know, when we skittle teams out for 40, when Stuart Broad takes eight for 10 or eight for 15 against Australia... Nobody stood there going, oh, it's not fair making them bat on that green wicket in overcast conditions. Everyone just goes, well, bold, Broadie, and, 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 and that's it, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I would say, though, that Ollie Stone, I mean, on that pitch, there were no seamers getting anything out of that. And on that first day, he bowled really well. And he came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, everyone's going, oh, no, England have lost Joffrey Archer and they've left out Jimmy Anderson. He bowled really well on the first day. And actually, you say about batting, Ben Folks batted beautifully in that first innings. Uh, and so did Ollie Pope until he got strangled by a rubbish ball from Siraj. Yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm scrabbling around. I'm scrabbling around for the positives. I w one thing I would say, though, is I'm not sure that the, the pitch at Ahmedabad is going to be, we that we know what it'll be like because it's a new stadium. There's a pink ball test is the next one, starting next Wednesday, day-nighter. And uh, it's, it's in a new stadium, 100,000 seaters, where Donald Trump, tried to pronounce Sachin Tendulkar's name and got it absolutely mangled. Suchin, Tand, Well, I didn't realise it was that very stadium. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Sachin Tendulkar, great player. 
great player. <laughs> um, anyway, they're playing there. So I, I, I get what Finney's saying, absolutely, that if India can prepare a pitch that's like that one, they will. But I don't know. In a, in a new stadium, Finney, is that how it works? Because you've got this, like, how do pitches work when they first start? You, have you heard of this thing called the BCCI before? <laughs> <laughs> They, um, I mean, they sacked the groundsman at Kolkata, didn't they, when he refused to make a pitch that they wanted as a board. So, yeah, I'd be very surprised, uh, very, very surprised if this next test match begun and we're not seeing the ball spin a similar amount. But I would just like to quickly, briefly pop back to when Toby was saying that how much that wicket at Trent Bridge at, um, was doing in 2015. I'd just like to say that that was a very, very flat wicket. <laughs> Had to be a good bowler to even take one wicket on that wicket. <laughs> now, no, of course. Now, Philly, talk me through your 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 uh, your bowling performance on that similar wicket, please. I did bowl one of the best balls that I bowled in my Test career that day, and obviously, naturally, it goes under the radar because because Broadie took all those wickets and had us off the field just before lunch. I think it was, which was just fantastic. I'm quite happy. And you're always happy as a bowler when you go out there, you sort of set your stall out to be in the field for 90 overs, regardless of what the wicket looks like. There's not many bowlers that will go out there and say that we've laced up our boots and taped our toes to expect to be out there for 90 overs and come off at the end of the day grumpy or even more grumpy than usual. Um, and to And to just be pretty miserable and downbeat when you come off. So anything that happens in situations like that is an absolute bonus. So even though you only do take one wicket, you're absolutely not complaining because you get to have a very nice lunch. And those are actually the finest lunches where you bowl a team out just before lunch. Your two opening batsmen are either in or waiting to go in and you can just set up in the lunchroom and absolutely back the truck up for about an hour, hour and a half, watch the first half an hour of the session on the TV in the lunchroom and then retire to the bowler's room at the back with all the windows closed, the blinds drawn, uh, a couple of pillows, and, and all the fast bowlers are spooning each other in the back room. <laughs> so, so talk, 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 me through, talk me through this, Sancho. I'm, I'm imagining a full, like, 10-course degustazione menu, right? So you've started with a little, like, oyster carpaccio, maybe, mm. and then... Uh, Trent a couple Bridge, of you joking? <laughs> Maybe at Lord's, you know? Dad. <laughs> Trent Bridge, a couple of boiled chicken breasts and a roast potato and a jacket potato, I think. <laughs> Lord's, however, Lord's is the one on test match days, on a day where you're bowling and you've got to go out and do hard graft after lunch. It's so hard to drag yourself away from that table because whenever you go up there, there's just these little bowls of beautifully cooked, freshly peeled prawns with Ooh. Thousand Island sauce next Ooh, to yeah. them. And that's just a little appetizer. And then they come and ask you, would you like soup, sir? So then you, then you tuck into a bowl of soup. Then you've got the main, which on a Sunday is roast lamb with roast potatoes oh. and Yorkshire puddings and the whole lot. And then they ask you if you want dessert and it's sticky toffee pudding. Oh, yeah. But if you're on a bowling day, you have to have the veggie pasta and just walk straight downstairs with your tail between your legs. Now, Finian, obviously, you know, because you, you play your home games at Lords anyway and you've played test matches for England at Lords. Is the menu way better during test matches or is it the same that you get normally? No, it's the same. The only difference is the prawns with Thousand Island sauce. Right. So the last three years that I've not been involved with any England squads or anything like that, 
I haven't had the pleasure of eating a prawn with Thousand Island sauce at Lords, which has just demoralised me. I love, I love, I love first the idea world that... problems if ever I've heard it. I haven't <laughs> had the chance to eat prawns with Thousand Island dressing at Lords. Very specific. What I love about this is that you know a lot of people say you know what was your motivation for getting back in the England team. You know, well, I wanted to find out, you know, I wanted want to be the best I could possibly be. I wanted to get to 200 test wickets. I wanted, no, Finney wanted to taste again the Thousand Island sauce with the prawns. That's all that did it for him. That's all that I, I can feel going. it. I can feel it on my tongue now. It's making me salivate. <laughs> Why is there not prawns at Middlesex games? Did they bring someone in especially for test matches? Don't you ever turn around to the kitchen and go, look, you can't lie to me because I've played for England pull your finger out and put some prawns out because I know you've got it in your locker. Yeah, well, it could be a conversation that could be had. Maybe a government petition so they can debate it in the House of Commons or something. Why can we not get prawns with Thousand Island dressing at Lords for domestic games? Yeah, it might go well, actually. Well, I think we could all agree that basically the pitch was a bit rogue and a bit more spicy than your average wicket. But uh, if England prepared a green deck and skittled India out for, for 50 at Edgbaston in April, we probably wouldn't be complaining. Let's move on to Moen Ali, who um, is heading back home. Now, straight away, we should say that Moen Ali was always heading home after two matches, which I felt was just, I don't really blame anyone other than maybe the ECB didn't make it very clear with the announcement and the way Joe Root talked about it after the game. He was always going home after two games. It hasn't that he's quit mid-tour or he decided to go home. He's always going home. It feels like he's had a nothing tour because he missed two games in Sri Lanka because of COVID. But uh, he was always planning on going home. It was the most classical Moeen Ali test match of all time. If you were to sum up Moeen Ali's career, he got Virat Kohli of an absolute jaffer on day one. And Virat Kohli did his best WG Grace impression and refused to walk. He got Virat Kohli of an absolute beauty. He then went for a few runs. It didn't bowl very well and bowled too many half-track and too many full tosses. Then he came back and bowled really well. Then he bowled really well again in the third innings. And then he was about two shots away from breaking the test record for the fastest 50. It was Moeen Ali in an absolute nutshell. And it's part of the reason that I think England fans love him because you just know that he's got that in his locker. Daniel Norcross, do you think we will see Moeen Ali in an England test shirt again? That's like a real cricket question. Yeah, I do, actually. I think everybody's just got to tackle the vapours because it's all happened today. And they've gone, oh, no, he's only 33, for God's sake. And in a couple of years' time, they'll, they'll need him back again. They may need him back before then. You know, if they play against a side that's packed with left-handers, they might be. They might decide that they want to use him. He was very, very successful against India. And this idea that England never played two spinners in England, well, that's not true. Depends. Old Trafford, they might well. Look. I would love to see him back in England shirt. The thing that I found a little bit irritating about the whole moment, well, more than irritating, I think a bit wrong with this moment, it was that poor old Joe Root was asked about Moeen Ali. And, and he said, unfortunately, he said that he's chosen to go, back, to go back home. And he used that word. And no one else mm. had had that like attached to them. They'd all been scheduled to go back and they were going back. Joss was going back. Bairstow was going back. Wood was going back home. It was all part of the plan. And apparently, a little bit of the confusion, looking at George the Bell article in Crick Info today, was that Ed Smith had asked Moeen whether he would stay on. Right. And I think that is a bit unfair to put that to Moeen, because mm. let's not forget, he had COVID in Sri Lanka. Mm. The idea was that he was going to be out there for the first four test matches, 
and available for selection for the first two in Sri Lanka. And he wasn't because he had COVID. And he's got a family who's worried about him. And he's going home, not for very long, it's got to be said, and then flying back to play more cricket, ODIs, T20s, possibly IPL if he gets picked up. And the idea that there was anything to do with Moeen deciding that he was going to flounce out of the tour was just a bit of poor communication at that point, yeah? I mean, I'd rather everybody stop dwelling on it, reset the whole thing and said, no, let's just remember, that's when Moeen was supposed to be going, like everyone else was supposed to be going, and that's all there is to it. And yes, and in answer to your first question, yes, he will play in another Test match, I reckon, at some point. He's got years ahead of him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And actually, it was poor form as well because the selectors said when they set their stall out with this weird rotation policy that uh, we won't go into now because we haven't got all day, they did kind of say that they were going to take the decisions out of the players' hands to make it easier. It's not really fair to then suddenly spring on Moeen Ali. Oh, do you want to stick around? Because, you know, it's one mm. all and we could actually maybe win this Test Series if you play and, we, and, and, you, and you keep bowling and batting well. Um, yeah, very. I, I think we should also... A, a word here for Chris Wokes, who is basically the most permanently shat on English cricketer of all time because the poor bloke, um, for years he's had to basically do what Stuart McGill had to do to Shane Warne for those years. And in any other era, Chris Wokes would have probably taken 500, 400 maybe test wickets, but he's had to sit behind Stuart Broad and James Anderson his whole career and watch them take hundreds and hundreds of wickets. He then gets wheeled out when it's very overcast conditions in England, but he never gets given much of a chance anywhere else. And then also the poor bloke, he's basically had the whole thing that Moen Ali's had because he flew to Sri Lanka and had to isolate whilst Moen Ali had COVID, but without the luxury of actually playing any cricket yet. He's basically had the, the dullest tour in the world. I've got a theory about this. It's because he's a Brummy. Because basically, because of Brummy accents, you feel like you can sort of, you know, you can kind of shit on a Brummy and it won't be too bad. <laughs> but, you know, they'll sort of take it. And, uh, you know, they're very phlegmatic characters. That's, uh, that's my theory. I mean, it's not a very advanced one. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Uh, we'll, we'll take a huge U-turn and head back towards cricket. Finney, Moen Ali, I mean, he's mercurial. We, we love watching him play. That innings was the most, you know, archetypal Moen Ali innings ever. My question to you, Finney, is right. If every single player that's available for selection for England is playing their absolute best cricket, is Moeen Ali in the first 11? Well, I think it depends where in the world the test match is because that makes, a lot, makes the, uh, the team selection very different, doesn't it? But I think in terms of a spinner who, when you're looking at him as a spinner, is arguably our most aggressive wicket-taking spinner that we have. I feel like we've got people who can either hold up an end um, or other styles of spinners. But when you look at someone who bowls wicket-taking deliveries, I'd say he's probably the best that we have as an England team. You look at the way that he bats, he's incredibly exciting to watch as a batsman. He scored test hundreds. He can take the game away from people. Um, I think if you'd asked him, he'd probably prefer to be batting higher up the order. So I think the conundrum for him is that because he's good at both things and he's really laid back, I think that he can sometimes just get put here and there or wherever Moeen fits when arguably he's a better cricketer than that, I think, in my eyes. So in a long-winded answer to your question, I think if you were to look at the 11 best and most gifted cricketers that we have available for us, 
in this country, then almost certainly Moen Ali is one of those 11. Is there a player that you can think of, Finney, off the top of your head that you've played with who's not necessarily, you know, there's obvious answers, you know, have scored 10,000 test runs or taken 500 wickets, but players you've played with or against where maybe their stats don't back it up, but you just look at them and you're like, this this bloke is so talented, just natural ability. Well, yeah, I think Ben Stokes. And I think, I know he's done amazing, amazing things in test match cricket or international cricket in general, but you look at his stats and you see a man who, you look at the way that he performs, you think he averaged 29 with the ball and 50 with the bat, the way that he plays, because on his day, he's he can be your best bowler and he can be your best batsman. And in terms of the sort of talent and person that has the ability to be able to galvanise a team like he does, I haven't seen or played with anyone who does that to the same level that he does. But I think that the way that when I played in the test team in 2015 and 16 and Moeen and him were two of the main players in the team, I think that both of their abilities to be able to influence a game, even if the numbers sometimes don't stack up behind it, both of their abilities to put their hands up at important junctures of games and series, I think sets them apart. Probably Stokes, maybe I think everyone would admit Stokes is higher up that ladder than um, the Moen would be, but both of them have those abilities to be able to do that for the team. Well, it shows what we think of Moen Ali, that he's even in the same breath as a match winner as, as Ben Stokes. And I, I I put a tweet out and I think, I can't remember now, about 2015 or something. I like to retweet it often to just point out that I once said something intelligent. And I said, don't judge Ben Stokes at the end of his career by statistics, judging by how many test matches he wins for England. Because the amount of thankless bowling spells that he's bowled in his time where, oh, look, you know, we need you to just run in and bowl bounces on this horrible slow pitch for nine overs in 40 degrees because we need someone to basically try something different. Or we're trying to set a bit of a total, so can you go out there and have a slog? It's not going to do your average any wonders, but the team needs it. He he just does whatever the team needs, and the more they need from him, the more he seems to deliver. I absolutely agree with that. He, he did it. In South Africa last year, when England were desperately searching for wickets on the last day of the Test match and broke the partnership and got England the win, he obviously did it at Eddingley. He's done it many, many times. But I've got to say, Moeen and Ben Stokes' figures were very similar until a couple of years ago in terms of batting average and bowling average. They were almost identical, but Moeen had got more wickets. Let's not forget, Moeen took more wickets than anybody else in the calendar year a few years back. He was dropped precipitously for a, a bad game in the first game of the Ashes. And then he had his test contract removed. And then he's asked by the chairman of selectors if he'll stay on in India. And no one's been asked that. No one's been asked that question. You know, I do think that Moeen has been, has been screwed about a bit, actually. And it's, you know, I don't know. But it, it, it feels like he, he is always the bloke who gets it because it, I don't know whether maybe it's because he's got this sort of gentle persona. I don't know whether it, it, he just presents as somebody that you can screw around a bit. I don't know. But he was batting at number nine, for God's sake, in this game. They've asked him to open. He's been he was at number three against India the last game he played against him at the Oval in 2018. He's been everywhere in the bloody order. How can you get a settled kind of test career out of that? But if it is his last test match, we're going to remember him as a wonderful player. He's the fourth most prolific spinner in England's history behind Underwood, Swan and Jim Laker. It's not bad for a bloke who 
came into the side as a batter who bowled a bit. Yeah, and, and didn't really bowl properly. We kind of basically mm. had no spinners and turned around and went, can you keep trying this because you're the best we've got? So if you could improve at this really quickly, uh, that would be really useful. So thanks, Moeen. And also bat where we tell you and field where we tell you. Uh, I do think you might be right. I think you might be a victim of his nice personality in many ways and probably a bit a bit too easy sometimes to, to move around and stuff. But uh, I, I agree. I think, I think all cricketers would like to basically retire England cricketers going, did I leave a good impression with the fans? And I don't think you'll find an English cricket fan that has got a bad word to say about Moen Ali. He's provided us with so many wonderful moments over the years. So if it is his last test match for England, uh, he's left a hell of a mark on the game. Let's move on to uh, non-England matters because uh, basically we're not the only team in the world. There's other teams doing out there doing remarkable things, including the West Indies, who... I said last week, I looked at West Indies Bangladesh on paper and went, well, that's the most boring possible tour that there is. Turning pitches in Bangladesh, West Indies will get spanked. They'll play a load of people we've never heard of because probably all their good players have fallen out with the West Indian cricket board and they'll lose by an innings and everyone will talk about how sad it is, how West Indian cricket is crap, and then we'll all move on. (laughs) That was the plan for the tour. Instead, two of the greatest test matches in recent memory, including an absolute thriller, between the West Indies and Bangladesh. Kyle Mayers, it turns out, we said last week he should retire. He scored 11 runs in the match and bowled eight wicketless overs. <laughs> turns, <laughs> out, turns out Kyle Mayers is as crap as we thought he was. He just had the best day of his life on debut. Um, but let's talk about the man, Rakeem Cornwall. If you've never seen Rakeem Cornwall, I mean, this man is, is a man mountain. He is... Sort of the bloke that normally there's one guy in your league who plays for a team who's very tall, very large, bowls off break, slogs, and has to field at first slip because he can't field anywhere else. Except they're normally crap. And Rakeem Cornwall's really quite good. Um, He claimed nine wickets in the match. He took a winning catch that quite literally sent shockwaves around the cricketing world. I think I felt them here in Clapham. Uh, and the 2-0 victory was achieved despite Jason Holder not being there. The coolest cricketer in the world, Shimron Hetmeyer wasn't there, Darren Bravo wasn't there, Shea Hope wasn't there. Loads of people missing the tour. An unbelievable result. Dan, is is the West Indies, do you think, everybody's second team? Oh, uh, yeah. It's well, second equal with New Zealand, but for totally different reasons. Right. Because everyone's got the idea that all the Kiwis are really, really nice. I suspect that they're all evil Bond villains. They're just actually. better at covering it up than Australians. Are. Yeah. yeah. Philly, Philly might be able to, to advise us on that. But, you know, Jimmy Neesham does a really good job on Twitter. Kay Williamson seems really, really nice. Deep down, I think they're all psychopaths. Oh, yeah. As, as, there's there's the bodies Indians. under Kane Williamson's floorboards, no question. But we're West Indies. I mean, part of it is because we've all got this slightly Stockholm syndrome from having been brought up with the West Indies being brilliant. So when they became crap, it was a bit of a weird thing because you got so used to being absolutely mullered by these people that you went through these various phases of really wanting to beat them and then going, oh, no, they are the master race. They are far superior to us. And then they just kept on losing and being totally rubbish. And so seeing them come back is great. And that... I, to come back with people like Carl Mayers and Raheem Cornwall, the characters of it. I don't know if you've ever seen Capybara Man on Twitter. He puts out these pictures of capybaras that all look like Rafael Nadal, incidentally. <laughs> Partly because Rafael Nadal looks exactly like a capybara, even more than Stephen Finn looks like a llama. And, <laughs> and uh, there's this great picture of a giant capybara with about five capybaras all crawling over it. 
And that is the picture at the end of that test match where you've got Raheem Cornwall, and then you've got these perfectly normal-sized cricketers <laughs> sort of clambering over. You call him a man mountain. I mean, yeah, he's a, a Mount Rushmore, isn't he? Absolutely, he's like nine men in one. It's absolutely huge. And the wonderful thing about it is he bowls off two paces. It's like when you when you go to school and you've got the old pro that they're paying to teach you how to play cricket, and he bowls off two paces and gets you to learn the forward defensive. That's what Raheem Cornwall bowls, but he's lethal yeah. in Bangladesh off two paces. And then you know it's like you know the the, the Bermuda. He's like a supercharged. What was his name? Uh, Slip. Dwayne Leverock. Dwayne Leverock. He's like he's like the he's like what Dwayne Leverock's perfect life, isn't he? Like in Cornwall. <laughs> um, Finny, mate. I mean, you're doing pre-season at the minute. They're you know they're no doubt putting you through your drills and making you do all this fitness and stuff like that. And then you look at Raheem Cornwall taking nine wickets and winning Test matches international level. Do you not just go? Why do I bother? Why don't Why don't you bowl off spin, Stephen Finn? I've wondered for the last 16 years why I don't bowl <laughs> off spin, to be quite frank, sometimes. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, where I think ultimately in cricket, performance matters. And actually the thing that matters are, or the things that matter are how many wickets you take and how many runs you score and how many catches you do. So theoretically, the size that you are shouldn't matter when it comes to doing those things i think cricket is a sport that famously over the years has embraced characters like that but as we've moved into the 21st century and there's more money in the game and there's more fitness coaches around because of ecb grants and things like that the the shape of the boys that i play with now they've been phenomenal nick like they, even when they come in like usually you get a couple of the young blokes who have a bit of puppy fat on them. You tease them for a few months and then they lose it. There's not even any of those coming through to poke fun at at the moment. So, um, yeah, it, it's a funny one where ultimately if I was to go out and take nine wickets in a test match and score the runs that he can and catch the catches, I'd be sat here eating as many chocolate digestives as I possibly could get into my gob without vomiting. <laughs> um, and then telling the selectors that, well, I've just took nine wickets in a match. You can't not pick me, so I'm going to crack on eating my biscuits. <laughs> and that's that elite mentality that you look for in any sportsman. He's pissed off he can't eat prawns at Lords anymore. And he begrudges anyone that can eat hobnobs guilt-free. And that is... <laughs> it's all about food with Finny, isn't it? It's all about food. It's, it's fascinating. It's, it's, yeah. so, it's such an honour to sit here and, and tap into the brain of an elite sportsman like this. It, it really is. You've caught me late at night. This is my craving hour as well. It's usually... <laughs> I'm like a pregnant woman. I get to about half past nine at night and there's just this voice from the cupboard in the kitchen going, there's cookies in here. <laughs> you sound like a tiny emaciated Irish jockey. <laughs> let, me have some, let me have some boiled beef at least. <laughs> we have gone full circle. To, to start on Rakeem Cornwall and finish at a small Irish jockey, that is really polar opposites if, if ever I've seen it. Uh, but I think you're right. He's the sort of character that cricket that cricket loves. And I think everybody's rooting for for big Rakeem Cornwall. Now let's move on to the IPL. I mean, I'd love to know what Rakeem Cornwall would earn at the IPL at the auction and, and how many hobnobs he could buy with that sort of money. But uh, it is, of course, the auction coming up. Finney, when in, in IPL auctions, what was your price tag, mate? How much are you worth? About $7.50, I think it is this year. <laughs> um, I've put my I've put my reserve price as no. It's one of those demoralizing things, the IPL auction, actually, because there's actually two 
rounds to it, but there's one round that people don't see. You see the glamorous one where people get bought for $2.2 million and you see everyone there celebrating and patting each other on the back. But there's an initial one as a player, you don't actually know whether you even made it through to the second round of the auction. So the teams look at the list of players who've submitted their name to go into the auction and they cherry pick and they go, oh, yeah, and if there's sufficient interest in players, then they get put through to the main auction, which is then televised because there'd be so many people to go through one by one if you were to do everyone who put their name into the auction. It can't work like that. So I think for the last two years, I've put my name into the auction and you sit there and it's bloody long. It's like five hours long, six hours long, and you sat there going... Maybe I'm next. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it goes through the entire list, goes all the way down to the bottom. And they're like, one last lot, one last lot. And it is so-and-so from Bangladesh. And you're like, oh, brilliant. Well, that's another year. I've sat watching the TV for six hours, half anticipating my name getting bought up with the Lamborghini garage on speed dial, waiting to book <laughs> one in for a test drive and yeah for the last couple of years I don't think my name's even been read out in the auction which I think is the ultimate insult <laughs> it is especially because they're a, telling me such a short name Steve as well you think the least they could do is just like blurt that out isn't it yeah yeah I might have to bribe so I'll bribe the auctioneer I'll say to him mate just do me a favor and just make sure it's read yeah. out I don't care if you say it in the intro or the after bit at any time just say my name so I can say my name's been there is it still Richard Madeley but not that Richard Madeley because it's, it's yeah. one of the great things not about the the, oh, what there's not, another bloke called things. Richard Madeley yeah it's one of the great things about the IPL auction that there's two Richard Madeley says that Richard Madeley that we know yeah Richard and Judy fame and then there's the auctioneer who does a few charity gigs right. called Richard Madeley. <laughs> yeah, he's quite tired of that joke, obviously, for various reasons. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It's like there's a there's a presenter on like Capital North Wales called Ben Shepherd, and I'm like, change your name. I'd, I'd <laughs> yeah. love it if there was a bloke doing overnights on Heart called like Nelson Mandela. Go, no, I'm not that Nelson. It just so happens, yeah. Um, well, chaps, we're going to move on to a, a game. That's right. We've got our first ever feature. This is exciting. So this is a game of play your IPL cards right, okay? No winners here, uh, certainly not the listeners. So it's very, very simple. It is basically, I've got a list of players and it is the number, that is the amount that they went for last year in the IPL auction. Sadly, Finney is not on the list uh, because everybody would know that you have to go higher from there, but it's higher or lower, okay? So I'm going to give you a player's name and I'll go alternate between you two and you have to tell me whether you reckon it is higher or lower than the player before. Will, now, you, will you do the Brucey voice? We go, see you, see you, nice. Basically, I can't do a Bruce Forsyth impression is what we've all just learned. <laughs> so now the way that we're doing this, the value is in crore. Now, I don't really know what a crore is, but apparently a roughly a crore is about a hundred thousand pounds. It's it's two crore in Indian rupees is about two hundred thousand pounds. Okay, so that is what right. we're going on here. So the first cricketer is Sheldon Cottrell, who for Kings Eleven Punjab last year was sold for eight point five crore, so eight hundred and fifty grand. I mean, this is the mad thing about the IPL is it's not just the fact that Ben Stokes gets you know a couple of million, 
but it's that Sheldon Cottrell gets 850 grand and Finney can't get a penny. It's brutal, this whole thing. It's, it's, yeah, it's such a hammer blow. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't even get picked up in the 100 PSL. Yeah, I've got a poison name at the well, moment. Sheldon Cottrell, Sheldon Cottrell got hit for five sixes by Rahul Tawati, who no one had ever heard of. <laughs> It won over. I mean, would Finney go for five sixes off Rahul Tawatia? Would he be Tawatiad? <laughs> well, Finney, the most upsetting thing is I'm looking at the full list of names and, uh, you know, that's not even the worst one. I'd be more offended by some of them. But uh, so Sheldon Cottrell went for 8.5 crore. Uh, now, Stephen Finn, do you reckon Piers Chawler went for higher or lower than 8.5 crore? I'm going to say lower. Okay. Straight in, Straight lower, in lower. Well, I can tell you that Piers Chawler went for still a ludicrous amount, six point seven five crore. So well done, Philly. But I mean, that, that is, is a lot. An obscene... I mean, he bowls absolute rubbish most of the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just dragged down crap, isn't it? <laughs> just because, just because you know you can't tell which crap ball he's going to bowl next. Is that what T Twenty's all about? Yeah, exactly. This is yeah. An outrage. My, my stock what would SF Barnes say? I've also got a wrong in this crap and you'll never see it coming. <laughs> I did see Piers Chawler bowl in a one-day international once at, uh, at what was called the Rose Bowl at the time. And I can tell you from up close and personal, he is truly dreadful. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 6.75 crore, somebody valued him up. Okay, now this is, this is big. So Dan Norcross. Yeah. Owen Morgan for the Kolkata Knight Riders, comfortably the best name in the competition, by the way. Yeah. Because I always picture that they yeah. should have David Hasselhoff on their shirt. The Kolkata Knight Riders. Yeah. Owen Morgan, the captain of the World Cup winning England one day international team, higher or lower than 6.75 crore. Well, I've got to tell you my thinking here, because I don't know the answer, but my thinking is that because we are seen as evil imperialist pig dogs and, mm. uh, and, and entirely inferior human beings in India, even though Owen, E-O-I-N, Morgan, as I prefer to talk, refer to him, uh, would be lower because even though he's Irish, he, he, would be, uh, he would be seen as inferior to the mighty Pius Chawler. Well, I can tell you that Owen Morgan, one of the finest limited overs batsmen of the last decade, went for 5.25 yes! crore, less than Pius Chawler. You're good at this, right? Come on, Finney, we can do this. Like This is a team game, OK? We're going to like get this absolutely right all the way through. OK, so next up, uh, I mentioned him earlier, the coolest man in cricket, purely because he wears a golden cricket bat around his neck. Shimron Hetmeyer for the Delhi Capitals. Higher or lower than 5.25 crore, do you reckon, Finney? I mean, he, yeah, he did a few exceptional things, didn't he? And he hits the ball a long way. Mm. So does Owen Morgan, to be fair. So are we allowed to confer here, Dan? Is that... Yeah, you're, well, you're, yeah, you're both you in this together. Yeah. You're both in this oh, together. We're in it together. So you think higher. I, I'd, I'd go higher because I, I think, yeah, on, on a basic principle that because he's West Indian, I think the I think Indians have got the hang of West Indians. They think that they're brilliant and actually superb at T20. I okay. think that they I think they overvalue West Indians. I, although I think Shane Moretto is a good T20 player, but... What do you think? I'd go high, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, I was thinking lower purely Ooh. because some of they, they're meant to have budgets, these teams, aren't they? They can't sling everyone 750 grand, <laughs> surely. Yeah, but you're the cricketer. You should know. So now I feel bad about it. Finney, I'll take you back to your point earlier. Have you not heard of the BCCI? They've got money to burn, pal, don't you? Want? They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, OK, I'll go with Dan. We'll say higher. One thing I've learned in life is to never, ever go with Daniel Norcross. Oh! But in this instance, it's worked out pretty well because 7.75 crore. 
you're so right about West Indian cricketers being overrated in the 2024. Kieran Pollard is one of those blokes that's never actually done anything, but he looks like he might do something. And for that reason, people pay him millions of pounds every single year because one day he might do that thing he did once seven years ago. Uh, right. They okay. used to do it with Australians as well. Dan Christian was $800,000 about 10 years ago. Decent player, Dan Christian, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But $800,000? That felt like a lot. Um, okay, next up, Glenn Maxwell. Serious player, seriously dangerous player. Oh. But, you know, last year he wasn't he wasn't in his best run of form last year. Higher or lower than 7.75 crore. Oh, Finney, this is a tough one, isn't it? Doesn't because... Maxwell always go for ludicrous money? So I'd be tempted just to say higher. I think he goes for a million plus every year. I would I say. I would say, wouldn't you? I mean, he is Glenn Maxwell. He is the big show. He's called that for a reason. We're going to go higher. And you'd be right to as well. 10.75 crore. Yeah, yeah. Big Boom. money, big money. Um, nice, easy one here compared to Glenn Maxwell. No disrespect to the, to the kid, but Sam Curran for Chennai Super Kings. Higher or lower than 10.75 <laughs> crore, Steve. I'll tell you what, it wasn't that much lower, I don't think. You, yeah, I think you'd be surprised. It's lower, but it's not that much. It's not, it's, it's, he went for more than Owen Morgan, I think. I think he went for about seven crore, is it? I, I don't know how to do it. Well, he is very, he's very pretty. He's very pretty. He's got lovely blue eyes. He's he got did well hair. as he did well as well. Serious player, yeah. yeah. But we'll talk about this later. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna die on the hill that I think Sam Curran is wonderfully good at cricket, and I think that he doesn't get the respect he deserves. But we'll talk about that in a later podcast. Five point five crore he went for, so much lower than Maxwell, but more than Owen Morgan, and still five hundred and fifty grand for 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 Sam Curran's not bad going. Right, next up. Chris Morris, Royal Challengers, Bangalore. Chris Morris, um, a bowler who's not actually good at bowling, but actually weirdly quite good at batting. (laughs) Oh, he's got to be lower. He goes for a fortune. He's gone for a million before in it. Yeah, he's gone for, he's always 900,000 million. Is he the Dan Christian of South African IPL signings? Is that what you're saying? I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going with Finney. I'm going with Finney. My instinct is it shouldn't happen, but yeah, go on. Chris Morris, who every time I've ever watched him bowl, goes absolutely round the park. Went for 10 crore, a million quid. Wow. That's roughly a million quid. You bang on there, Finney. Some players just get a reputation. What, what, whatever reputation Chris Morris has got, Finney's got the opposite. And we need to change that on this podcast. <laughs> We've looked at Finney's 2020 international stats. He didn't get enough of a go. They're unbelievable, Finney. I'll back you up, mate. I've got you. With this. that kind of money, he's got to be able to sort out his teeth. I mean... <laughs> You'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd think he should have teeth like Bobby Firmino. Or, or Ben Folks. <laughs> or Ben Folks. He's got exactly, the best yeah. teeth in the world, but you know, we're, that's another story. <laughs> uh, now, this is, uh, this is a good one here. I reckon this is tough. So, Chris Morris, Nathan Coulter Nile, Mumbai Indians. Oh, that's got to be low. Are you going higher, Finney? Really? I think higher, yeah. I think Coulton Isle also goes for a fortune in most auctions, in, in the auctions. Is this yeah. the Australian Dan Christian now allowing for inflation sort of thing? I mean, he's a decent player, Coulton Isle, but, you know, let's face it, it doesn't tear up trees in the BBL and that's a vastly inferior tournament. Finney's going higher. By the way, we're 100% so far as well, aren't we, I think? What do you reckon, chaps, higher or lower? I'd pay more for him than Chris Morris, but I wouldn't have paid that much for Chris Morris. Um, oh Finney said higher I've got to go higher well now I feel guilty I I think it might be lower but it also could be higher which is very helpful I thought you'd be familiar with the format by now we're about nine questions in oh I think it's 
Oh, but he's he's really pretty, so they can put him on posters and stuff. He's a very attractive man. Lovely hair. Much better teeth than Morris. He spent his money wisely. Well, I can tell you that this actually was meant to be Finney's question, so I'm handing over to Finney for the final answer. I'm going to say higher. I can tell you that Chris Morris went for 10 crore. <gasps> Nathan Coulter Nile went for eight crore. Oh, oh unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and this is why... His name doesn't even get read out at the auction. Because <laughs> <laughs> when the chips are down, you can't trust him. That's, that's the problem. <sighs> that is the problem. When it really, really mattered. When it really, really mattered, Finney. It was a sh- Look at Norcross. He's a broken man. Yeah. Uh, and finally, and not that anyone's heart's in this anymore because Finney's ruined the game for everyone. Are you about but, to say uh, Pat Cummins? But Pat Cummins... <laughs> Well, we all know Cold that. Cold cutter night riders. Uh, that's didn't he? Didn't he go for thirteen point seven billion pounds? He went for fifteen point <laughs> five crore. Yeah. And and if ever there was a man that was actually worth that money, it's Pat Cummins. Because not only is he just so good to watch bowl, but he is the most beautiful human being. In fact, we must rank sexiest cricketers at some point because him and Ben Folks, oh, there's some. That that's a lot of handsome. We will rank it, but can I just say that even though he was the most expensive player in the IPL auction, his first wicket cost 280 runs at an economy rate of 8.6. <laughs> really? Yes. And also, I don't think as well, Ben Stokes' famous run chase at Headingley, people don't talk enough about the fact that when the scores were tied, he bowled a rank long hop with all the field in for Ben Stokes to cut to the boundary for the easiest four ever after making him do all that hard work. Yeah. Doesn't get talked about enough. Chaps, thank you very much for playing that. Um, you, you actually did very well, all joking aside. You, 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 got, you got nearly full marks, um, which is, you know, the story of our lives in many ways. We're, we're nearly quite good. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. We still have no idea what we're doing with a TikTok account, but we thought we'd get one before anyone else did at Zero Ducks Pod. Uh, the reaction to the first podcast last week was amazing. We had people listening from all over the world, including one bloke in Ukraine that Stephen Finn was convinced was going to be like a weightlifter called Boris. But it turned out he was like, it was called Dan or something. It was a bit of an anti-climate. Um, but we've had people listening all over the world, Hong Kong, Australia, India, Singapore, all sorts of places. Um, and it's been amazing. So thank you very much. At Zero Ducks Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We had loads more things we never got through because we got massively distracted talking absolute gibberish as always. And uh, we'll do the same thing next week. But uh, Stephen, Daniel, absolute pleasure as always. Speak to you next week, chaps. See you then. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.